Welcome to another episode of Social Justice Matters, the podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Suzanne Rogers and I'm a research and policy analyst with Social Justice Ireland. As regular listeners will know at this point, we release three different types of podcasts. There's our 10-minute lesson series, which aims to educate and inform listeners on particular areas of policy, giving a brief overview of somewhere in the range of 8 to 15 minutes and hitting on the key points that people need to know. Our seminar series provides opportunities to listen back to some of the most important presentations at past events. And then there's our interview series, where we chat to experts on a range of policy areas. This is one of those. This week, I'm joined by Keen O'Callaghan, Assistant Professor in Urban Geography at Trinity College Dublin, and Kathleen Stokes, Postdoctoral Fellow at Trinity College Dublin also. They talk to me about their Irish Research Council Coalescing-funded research project called Rethinking Urban Vacancy, Addressing the Challenge of Underutilised Land Through Innovative Policy Solutions. We hope you enjoy. So Keen and Kathleen, thank you very much. I'm, I'm actually, I, think I, might, I think I might begin at the end if that's okay today, because I'm so conscious this is a hot topic now this weekend. The Ordesh, the Fine Gael Ordesh, he's committed to, let me see here, quote unquote, bringing 90,000 vacant units into use as a key element of their new housing plan above the shop units in cities and town centres, which are traditionally lane idle. And then a business paper over the weekend the headline talks about the problem of vacant homes and then there's a smaller headline which again says the problem of vacant properties and they quote a GeoView residential building report at the end of 2020 that says there's 92,251 vacant dwellings in the country so I suppose there's two things here the use of the word problem and that it's complicated. It's not going to be just as easy as these are empty properties. Let's throw a lick of paint and a new kitchen in and a new front door and go from there. So you've been researching urban vacancy across Ireland and have, I suppose that's really, that's, that's probably the key finding really, is it? That it's not, it's not that simple, sure it's not. So, so I suppose when, when we started kind of looking at this this project, I mean, the, it's coming off the back of vacancy in 2016, I suppose, again, being quite a hot topic and being a lot of, you know, conversation and kind of contention, I guess, about what the real vacancy figures were. And so this project aims to kind of look a bit deeper and differently at vacancy. And so one of the things we've been looking at, I guess, is that first, I guess, historically, in terms of like how vacancy is addressed in both policy and how it is um, counted or measured or identified, you know, in, in official sources or otherwise, that there's often an assumption that vacancy, when we talk about vacancy or we talk about vacancy in relation to housing, even that we're referring to one thing, and that there's sort of a normative assumption that when we're talking about vacancy, we're talking about long-term vacant homes that could, as you say, with just a lick of paint or with minimal effort, be brought back into use. And in the last, say, five or six years, there's been a number of policies that are rolled out specifically, I guess, in relation to um, the housing and homelessness crisis 
and particularly about bringing vacant housing stock back into use. And those have also maybe started on the assumption that, you know, we have this headline figure from the CSO of 108,000 odd vacant housing units in 2016. You mentioned the, the geo directory figures suggesting kind of upwards of 90,000 vacant housing units as well. And they start maybe with the assumption that these are, are units that could be identified, brought back into use. And so very much, I guess, what we've um, been finding um, in relation to our own research and in, in relation to kind of what people are telling us is that that overall arching figure of kind of 180,000 or 90,000 encapsulates quite a lot of types of vacancy. And we're, we're very much not talking um, in most cases about housing units that could very easily be brought back into use. And so captured within how we capture vacancy is a diversity of, of types of vacancy. Um, so policy interventions, I suppose, that have tried and specifically to bring vacant stock back into use have kind of come up against, I suppose, this diversity of vacancy and that this diversity require very different types of policy interventions or market interventions to, to bring stuff back into use. And that it's not, you know, as simple at all in terms of a lot of them would have, you know, much more kind of problems of bringing it back into use than, you know, would be immediately just being able to kind of be, um, uh, to be reused or reopened. And so I think policy in the last couple of years, I suppose, or more recently, has, has begun to sort of address some of those things, has begun to sort of maybe have an understanding that how we measure vacancy um, is maybe uh, doesn't give us the, the appropriate tools to be able to intervene in the ways that they may be initially thought. And so they're sort of coming up against barriers of some of those complexities in terms of both identifying and measuring the issue and um, barriers then uh, particularly in terms of bringing stuff back into use. To maybe take off one of those points, which is that there are policies in place and I dug up some figures from the Rebuilding Ireland. So that Rebuilding Ireland is 2016 to 2021. Pillar five then is to deal with vacant homes utilizing existing housing. So from the beginning of Rebuilding Ireland to quarter one of 2020, a total of 247 buildings have been brought into use. Nine in 2017, 80 in 2018, 76 in 2019, 69 in 2020 and 13 to the quarter one of the year so far and the local authorities across the country only received 1957 applications so there's a real disparity there between as you said either the 92,000 or the 180,000 whichever you're having yourself but it's still it's nowhere near tackling the, the real issues so I mean I, again I suppose I want to kind of go back to that word problem as well that these vacant houses are seen as either a, a blight or a, an eyesore, if they're derelict or that they're just being underutilised, that it's, you know, the kind of the, I suppose, the tension between private property rights and the common good. I mean, did you come across any of those kind of things when you were doing your research? I think it might be worth just saying a quick introduction to where we're at with the research. Um, so Kian has kindly said, and I think you'll be doing an intro, uh, this, our research is being led by Kian. I'm the postdoctoral researcher, and it's an Irish Research Council funded project called Rethinking Urban Vacancy. And this project, as Kian has explained, is trying to understand kind of how do we politically respond to vacancy? How do we measure and identify it and then figure out ways of kind of addressing it? 
And the research has been in two phases. So where we're at right now is with this policy report that has come out, we have gone through looking at the existing policy framings and legislation surrounding vacancy in recent decades. Um, we need to try and look at what are the existing measures and data sets. So this is the first phase that's kind of giving us a chance of saying what is actually happening already right now. And in the second phase of research, which we're coming towards the end of, and hopefully we'll have a second report out later this year, we'll have a second report out later this year. Um, that will be looking a little bit more at the, um, the intricacies and actually the day-to-day -day experiences and practices of people working in government and in development around vacancy uh, more generally. So coming to your question around the fact that there is a lot that is happening, that has happened, Rebuilding Ireland was a very key point for bringing vacancy in relation to housing into the centre of government discourse, and it did have a number of interventions that came off the back of that. As you've mentioned, some of the things that have come with that include um, the buy and renew scheme, for example, or the repair and lease scheme, which are incentives to try and get owners to take on either some sort of funding to bring their property back into use for the purposes of social housing or to be renewed in other, in other ways. Uh, this has also been uh, connected to other initiatives um, and it was all kind of outlined in a very substantial document in 2017 called the National Vacant Housing Reuse Strategy from 2018 to 2021. So I think we're also at a very interesting point where we can start to look at, as you said, with these numbers, what has worked. There has been a lot of emphasis and there have been initiatives put in place, but how much have those been taken up? Why haven't they been taken up? Mm. And we can probably anticipate that with the current government, there will be a new plan that will come out in due course. And so it'll be very interesting to see if they continue with the same approaches or if there will be different strategies brought in. Um, and one of the things with these different schemes is oftentimes it's about providing financial assistance to local authorities or approved housing bodies or to homeowners themselves, but that funding might be quite limited. And I think, again, it comes back to this idea that it's not necessarily gonna be 40,000 that will be enough if you have a conservation property that needs to have fire regulations addressed that might have very complex issues or might even just be extremely expensive to take on as a project. So are there other ways that we can start to be thinking about this? Um, and also the fact that, you know, bringing things back into use, every property, and it kind of is the key here, I think one of the things we've tried to say in our project is vacancy is such a diverse status. Um, in many different ways. I can speak to that more in a moment if that's helpful. Yeah. But I think if we recognize that these kind of overarching policies that are for vacancy as such probably need to be maybe targeting different kinds of vacancy in different places, in different quality and conditions, in different temporalities. So if something's been vacant for a very long time, it might be getting into derelictions status. That's a bit different. That has a whole other set of legislation and policy requirements around it. So thinking about how we start to categorize and also recognize where are the more problematic types of vacancy and they may not necessarily be the same as the easily turnkey ready ones that we're dealing with as well. But that's a really interesting point then that vacancy is a single word that's trying to describe half a dozen different types of things so I mean it would be great if you can expand on the different types of vacancy even. Sure. Um, first, for Keen, I didn't know if you wanted to add anything on this. Yeah, ju just a quick point, I suppose. So like in terms of like what we've been trying to do and in terms of addressing vacancy, I suppose there's two types of, you know, there's two things that need to happen. One is around identifying and measuring. So you identify where vacant properties are, you get some measurement of what this sort of challenge is. And the second then, is, as Kathleen has been talking about, is around sort of like, you know, bringing things back into use, you know, and that can be, 
very different types of vacancy, can be very different types of uses, and there's all questions about that. But in terms of, I suppose, how we identify vacancy, so up until recently, I think it's only very recently, I think that the policy focus has really kind of shifted around to vacancy in its own right. And so the two, I guess, key data sets that we'd have for identifying and measuring vacancy would be the census and the geodirectory at a national level. And both of those, I think, sort of um, have, have produced a data set on vacancy, but it's, it's sort of a secondary data set based on kind of maybe their primary objectives for geodirectory would be creating an address database for the CSO. Um, it's, they're very keen to kind of note suggested like their vacancy figure is really a figure that accounts for non-occupancy on the night of the census, okay. which essentially kind of means that there wasn't a form returned and the enumerator has to go through a series of steps in order to, to ensure that they're not going to get a form returned from that address and that they're, so, what that might capture in terms of say the census figures which are you know very good and i think do hold up when they're you know they're tested and ground truth as they have been by um dublin city council for example in a pilot study um what they what might be captured within that is you know is some of your long-term vacancy but it also might be properties that are you know for sale might be a property that is um you know trans is in transition in the rental market um it might it might be things that are sort of you know that, that, that you know someone in a care home or something like that so there's there's loads of categories in which those things might fall in and the geodirectory data is you know the the time interval is much shorter there so they might capture some of that market churn so there's there's aspects of sort of what's encompassed within that sort of single sort of vacancy figure it could be a whole host of very diverse types of things that maybe would require very different kinds of market interventions, policy interventions. So when you get to that second kind of aspect of, of reusing properties, then I guess um, those kind of schemes that you mentioned that were launched from Rebuilding Ireland were, were maybe very much based on the assumption that you know you had property owners who had a property that they were they were leaving vacant for for whatever reason, and that some sort of um, maybe financial stimulus or you know, a grant, a small grant would um, be enough to encourage them to bring that back into use. And I think where, you know, and we, we can only speak, I guess, quite generally, I suppose, to some of the reasons behind that, but me, you know, as, as Kathleen alluded to, it could be the case that the grants themselves are maybe quite small. They don't really cover the costs or make it attractive enough. It can also be the case maybe that sometimes, you know, leaving something vacant can be, you know, uh, speculating on the, the increased price of the asset and there's not enough encouragement to go through the hassle of actually renting that out or making it available for housing. But it can also be a whole host of very sort of, you know, maybe more idiosyncratic reasons, you know, like with, with kind of care home kind of um, the, the fair deal scheme, for example, maybe where, where older people kind of in a care home or, um their their house is sort of you know is used as a sort of a collateral I suppose to pay for some of those care costs and it can often be vacant during that period of time when the old person's not living in it and you know similarly with kind of probate cases you know where you know people are, are holding on to things for you know for emotional and sentimental kind of reasons and you know all of these are sort of are factors that may be involved in terms of actually the the negotiation of bringing a property back into use so I think you know on, on a sort of 
a more general level, I think that there's there's quite a lot that sort of is encompassed within that single definition of vacancy, maybe in terms of what we measure, or what we capture. And there's quite a lot that you might encounter in terms of uh, issues or challenges or barriers in terms of bringing that those housing back into use. Two things that they had said in the in the paper about why people were hanging on to property. And one was exactly that, that the, 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 the speed at which the asset um, grew in value, the, I think they quoted like a 53% return on investment in four years or something like that for one house. And then the other one was that uh, their accountant basically said it wouldn't be worth their while. So there might've been tax implications. So it's a really complicated space to be in. And that's why I suppose I am curious as to how or what it, what the next government, as Kathleen said, what the next government strategy is going to look like to be able to to actually tackle those ninety thousand vacant units. And just to add to that as well, I'm aware you know we've talked a little bit about the national um, approaches to identifying and measuring vacancy. There are, as we say in our report, other approaches, and a big part of that has been local authorities are tasked with the responsibility of measuring and keeping track of vacant and derelict sites. Uh, the vacant and derelict sites registers any local authority you can find them online um, so if people are aware of sites they can be forwarding that to their local authority and there's also crowdsourcing has been a really mm. popular approach on and off through the years and I think it's important to recognize that those approaches are really admirable but they do take a lot of effort so we tend to see that they will happen for a while and then continuing it can be a bit challenging so um, that's been done in and out of government um, we've had uh, the reusing Dublin platform that was around for several years with the Peter McVeary Trust and the name is escaping me. Can we say that again? Uh, Space Engagers. Thank you. So, so we had the Peter McVeary Trust and Space Engagers platform re, um, reusing Dublin. That was an opportunity for people to be sending information about possibly vacant properties that they were aware of. Uh, you can also be using the uh, vacancyhomes.ie website, which was done by uh, Mayo County Council, but is used around the country now, and they will forward any information to the corresponding local authority. So people can be sharing that information if they have it. And the same goes for the fair deal scheme. There is opportunities to turn those homes into rentals for social housing. And if people are aware of sites, it's really something that you can be doing now. If you're having that frustration, these are great channels to be kind of working through at the moment while we wait to see what happens. Um, but your point as well, just to really quickly go on here. Um, I think defining vacancy is a really critical point and that's one of the key elements of our report is making the case that vacancy is a very diverse status. There are many different forms of vacancy and if we're going to get better at responding to this we need to be getting better at kind of distinguishing between these different types. Some are more easily identifiable than others. This is very much a big challenge so Oftentimes what we see with existing data sets and measures is what you can see from street view is going to be more easily identifiable in a data set. Very few people, as Kian has mentioned, will have access to, say, getting into apartment blocks. The census can do that with their enumerators, but many other people, rightly, aren't allowed to just go in and be knocking on doors. So thinking through how we can find more passive ways of getting existing data that might indicate potential vacancy is something to be considering um, and in our report, we also made the case that maybe instead of just talking about vacancy, we should actually be breaking that down into prevailing types and types that could be updated every few years or could be specific to different localities based on the specific challenges that they have. So one of the things that we did in the report was come up with a provisional typology of vacancy for Dublin. And we say that this is trying to help illustrate the current forms of vacancy in the city and hope that this can also be adding a bit of nuance 
two, reflecting on the diversity of spaces and types of vacancy that are currently existing. Um, I won't go through all of them, but there are nine different types uh, and it's different things, for instance, like we talk about, you know, this fair deal scheme and homes as a specific type of vacancy that have a very specific potential response to be considering compared to homes that may be vacant for other reasons. We also then try to distinguish between, say, different types of sites. So if we're thinking about, say, government owned or institutionally owned sites and properties, you need a very specific set of actors around those sites to be bringing them back into use. And that's possibly quite different from, say, more privately owned sites that are ready for potential redevelopment. Another thing that we would talk about is, again, the vacant units so for shops is something that come up quite a lot that do have existing um, policy responses directly targeting them. I believe it's until the end of this year. It sounds like it might go even further where there is actually a, um, a planning exemption. If you want to be converting a unit over a shop to residential use, you don't have to go through that permission process until the end of this year. My expectation is that we'll, well, we'll see what happens, but you know, that's a very specific kind of vacancy with a specific set of responses to be thinking about then. And also the types of buildings that might be brought back into use in that way, probably gonna have a lot of very specific questions that would be different from a standalone home. Uh, and then the last one as well, just to kind of give a bit of an illustration here, would be thinking about social housing already. So the term voids is used to describe vacant social homes um, that are waiting to be renovated or refurbished. And so generally local authorities will have lists of those voids that are awaiting refurbishment. And last summer, actually, the Minister for Housing did announce a void stimulus funding package to try and accelerate the rate at which those things are done. So again, very different and specific types of vacancy that require different kinds of conversations and different actors. So those are just some of the ways that we think by kind of having a typology, you can start to have a bit more of a grounded conversation about what's possible in each instance. And it's interesting because even within those, it's a very different conversation to talk about living over a shop on Henry Street or Grafton Street or O'Connell Street and living over a shop in uh, Cabra or Clondalkin or living over a shop in Mullingar or Portumna. So even within those typologies, it's very, very, very different conversation. One thing that really struck me was the, the framings, which was decline and dereliction, post-crash vacancy, vacancy admit the housing crisis and vacancy during the COVID-19 pandemic. So even how the conversation occurs, depending on what's happening in the wider context as well, does that affect how the conversation happens? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit. And, and maybe just kind of before, just touch on the last point you were saying. So, I mean, like, obviously, you're, you're talking to two geographers here. So we would be very keen on, you know, the geography aspect of it. And but you're, you're dead right in the sense that, like, you know, the kinds of issues, even say that you mentioned that were identified in that article in the business post about why people might, you know, not, you know, leave a property, why people might leave a property empty versus kind of bring it into use for rental, for example. They, they might be very different in Dublin than they would be in another city in, in Ireland, or and it's particularly very different in, you know, in some small towns and villages. So that kind of geographical dimension, you know, is very important in considering sort of maybe with the characteristics of the local property market, you know, so we've, you know, had discussions with people, for example, who, who are doing kind of more work than us on kind of small towns and villages. And they would have talked about, you know, the, you know, the price at which you, the cost of kind of say maybe refurbishing, you know, uh, a townhouse in, the, in the, the middle of town versus a new build would, 
you know, would be a sort of make no sense to kind of go the former, you know, and you know, so you're really kind of into heritage or con conservation, you know, because, you know, the price of houses and the cost of building is, is less in those places. Um, but yet, obviously, there's a key sustainability kind of aspect to that as well. And I think that that's maybe something that's going to be becoming more apparent in the post-COVID phase. Similarly, you know, we were just back from some field work in Cork and, and you know, even as the second city there, some of the property market dynamics are, are quite different maybe and some of the challenges or barriers are, are not so much that you have this exponential kind of maybe increase in land value, but there may be, you know, gaps in finance and what you can borrow in terms of, you know, and what you can do then into a building that might be have heritage status or be listed. Um, so there's, there's a lot of kind of maybe key challenges are, are very geographical there as well and that's why sort of it requires maybe a more considered maybe qualitative kind of response in terms of actually understanding some of these challenges you know and, and how they might play out differently in different ways as opposed to a one-size-fits-all policy solution that's going to you know solve the issue or solve the problem um, but that does also raise then this kind of capacity issues as Kathleen had mentioned earlier but local authorities are often the ones who are charged with kind of you know identifying measuring <laughs> the vacancy that they have within their area also kind of you know managing those projects to bring things back into use but often are, are not really resourced very well to kind of do that um you know things like collecting levies or, or, or you know other sorts of instruments that they might use um so to go back to i suppose to that framing i mean i guess one of the the parts of that discussion i guess that we've been we've been trying to have i guess is that you know and a lot of the international literature would reflect this too is that we there's a lot of literature on vacancy and a lot of literature on, on surrounding things like ruination, dereliction, but um, it, it doesn't really kind of cohere very well, we'll say, you know, or like in, in the experience of not just Ireland, but elsewhere is that how we define vacant sites or vacant land or vacant property often kind of shifts over time. So, I mean, there's similar work done in the UK, for example, which looks at the term vacant land or how vacant land has been addressed in you know over a period of kind of 30 or 40 years and what they would have found was that the definitions kind of consistently shift and rather than kind of being a singular type of thing really vacancy is maybe um, a sort of placeholder for, for different sorts of urban challenges or processes so in terms of our own narrative in this report I mean we focused you know a little bit kind of um, a quick history I guess of some of the ways in which it was talked about you know some of the ways that it's addressed and I guess there's there's two main things that maybe come out of that so one is the idea that sort of the prevailing focus on vacancy shifts depending on what the sort of series of challenges are so I mean in in the 80s that's kind of widespread dereliction deindustrialization moves to sort of you know that's kind of taken over with the development bubble during the Celtic Tiger period. In the immediate period after the crash, it's this excess vacancy in unfinished estates that become a challenge about, you know, uh, over construction and how what are we going to do about kind of resolving these, these estates. And that has quickly shifted again to in this kind of period of the housing crisis to identifying any vacant stock that you might have in order to kind of to, to, to resolve in some ways the housing crisis. And with COVID then obviously as well, there may be a series of emerging discussions and these may be you know around you know new ways of working and living it may be about demographic shifts to you know towards more remote working which which maybe put a greater emphasis on on those aspects of say sustainably reusing 
uh, dwellings within town centres, for example. So that's kind of one of the things that the, the definitions shift and they often really when we're talking about vacancy, we're talking about kind of a series of other wider urban challenges that are manifested or, you know, in this kind of issue with this problem. The second thing I suppose to identify from that analysis is that from, from what we can see, I suppose, there's there's been over that period of time, um, uh, the emergence of, of quite a sort of, you know, an entrepreneurial approach to kind of urban development. And in one level, you've got a response to vacancy, which is, you know, really about the large scale kind of regeneration of, of large scale sites. And that kind of is, you know, is evident within that period in in late 1980s and 1990s and on to the Celtic Tiger with you know urban renewal schemes and things like that um, but it's also evident maybe we could say in terms of like the creation of something like NAMA which you know resolved maybe the finance issues you know around some of the larger sites and you know so and in things like the land development agency you could also maybe see its continuation of that but it's it's a, it's an approach that focuses on you know the bigger picture sites the the bigger picture um issues and it's really i guess focused on a sort of you know public private partnerships and you know enrolling the private sector in the resolution of of those aspects of vacancy at the second kind of level then you've got maybe a series of more piecemeal or small scale powers that are given to local authorities you know and you could see like the, the derelict sites act and those compulsory purchase powers associated with that you can see it also more recently in terms of some of those those rebuilding ireland policies and the way they they try to you know give local authorities an imperative i suppose to intervene in small scale ways in either particular properties that are vacant or vacant sites and so we, we would say that maybe that there's an, maybe that where we're going with some of this analysis or maybe what we could suggest kind of preliminary is that there's, there's often maybe a gap between these then, that the large scale stuff kind of works um, in some ways in terms of, you know, redeveloping or resolving those sites. Um, but there's, uh, there's often maybe a lot that falls between those two pillars of those very small scale and the large scale stuff. And there's assumptions, I guess, in, inbuilt within that about the, the effectiveness of the private sector, the market in resolving these issues, where what we have, I suppose, heard from interviews is that there's maybe a lot more complexity and a lot more need for, for more and different forms of policy intervention as well there. Kathleen, did you have anything to add to that, actually? I think that's, that's a good cover. I would just say, building on what Keen said there, um, you know, this is also a question of not just trying to figure out different types of vacancy that exist, but as Keen has pointed out, this is always oftentimes in response to broader urban or economic or social processes, and it is fundamentally a spatial question. And so in part of our research, we're also really encouraging that people don't just think about the different types of vacancy, but also try to reframe vacancy as something that is part and parcel of urban processes. You know, people move in and out of spaces, sites end up having different uses over time. So vacancy in and of itself is not automatically a problem to be solved. The question then is what types of vacancy end up being most prevalent? How long is something vacant for? What are perhaps the other uses that might be occurring when something is also officially deemed vacant? So moving beyond it simply seen as a flat status that has to be automatically a problem to be solved to something that is more complex um, and isn't inherently problematic. Well, we can probably argue in many cases right now, there are problematic forms of vacancy that are pre prevalent, prevalent in urban spaces, 
um, it's important to start by recognizing that vacancy does occur and happen in in space generally so that's something that i think is important for us to reflect on a little bit as well as we go forward in these public and policy debates around vacancies not just any vacancy is a problem but when does it become problematic and who is then part of the process of kind of identifying it and bringing it back into a use and deciding what that use is as well that really caught my eye in in the work that you had done which is that um as our needs change places transform and the issue isn't that sites and properties lie vacant or become derelict full stop, but how long they're out of use when there are clearly other possible uses and pressing needs. An empty or derelict site or a vacant site isn't, isn't a problem in and of itself. It's that there may be a better or more efficient use for that and that that's also part of the conversation. And I think on that basis, it's really an important time when we look over the past year the very different changes around how people occupy space being at home or the closure of retail and commercial space temporarily and we'll see what happens but there's bigger it seems like there's almost a siloing i'm, I'm going off piste here so keen you're welcome mm. to disagree with me <laughs> but i think what we're seeing is there's many kind of separate but complementary debates that are happening around the ongoing housing and house homelessness or houselessness crisis the question of kind of prevalent vacant and derelict spaces the access and affordability of land in urban spaces, Dublin in particular, but not exclusively. And these are overall, you know, complementary aspects that ask what is the future of the city and for whom is the city to be? Who gets a stake and what that can look like? How do we collectively kind of determine what these spaces are used for and who actually is involved in that? And I think that's a, this is something to think about as well as vacancy is really important, but it's part of a broader conversation. And that's one of the many reasons why we find it fascinating. So, um, you know, it's great to be able to talk about it today with you. Um, yeah, so who, who gets to decide what space is for, who gets to decide who can use it, who gets to decide what's vacant and who gets to decide what goes in its place or what should go in its place is a really, really interesting conversation. Yeah. So I know you were saying you've got your, the second report should be out later on this year and I know you can't really get too much into it, but, but you have kind of recommendations in the end of the first one, um, which was, I suppose, yeah, to identifying and measuring urban vacancy and how vacancy is framed, the mechanics and the logistics of data collection. But it's the political responses then, I suppose. I mean, are you able to kind of feed into, you know, what would you, if, if, if you were going to design a policy, uh, what would you like to see in it? <laughs> That's a huge question. I, <laughs> so, I, I might just kind of chime in maybe just on, on some of the kind of earlier points you made first. So, I mean, as we were kind of talking about at the start, I mean, we're, you know, part of our, our project is, is really trying to move away from that singular definition of vacancy and to see vacancy as something which is more integral to the city rather than just stuff that's in use or not in use. And I think the flip of that maybe is considering, you know, that a lot of, you know, historically, you know, our responses over the last 40 years or so to vacancy have been redevelopment. Mm. But that very kind of model of redevelopment has also exacerbated or caused some of the forms of vacancy or the problems of vacancy, you know, as well. So like, I mean, if you think about coming out of the Celtic Tiger, there was suddenly a discussion about all the vacant land in Dublin. And that was really land that was, you know, there from site assembly and speculation. Um, similarly, you've got discussions now about, you know, new build to rent 
you know, developments that have significant amounts of vacancy in them, you know, as a means of artificially keeping rents high. So, and, and we talked earlier about kind of the, you know, the, the increased price of an asset in terms of housing as being maybe a, a factor that discourages people from actually, you know, opening it up to use or from selling it on or from, you know, making it available for rental. So part of the conversation that we'd like to have, I think, is, is about kind of seeing vacancy as part of these urban processes as something which is you know is a challenge or a problem but is also a, a constitutive component of how those land markets work and how those property markets work and maybe you know is something which is you know is beneficial for particular actors over others and you know so um so, so in terms of that kind of discussion I think you know that that's quite crucial to kind of think about and I mean I think we'd have you know I mean we'd have we'd have the you know, broader recommendations in terms of, you know, how we, you know, think about sort of, you know, access to housing or, you know, the right to housing and how we can build more, you know, effective kind of policy solutions or property markets or how we can regulate that activity in a better way to try to, you know, create the outcomes for society that we need rather than the outcomes for, you know, for finance or for, for the development sector. Um, but I think part of that maybe is then is an understanding maybe of those diverse forms of vacancy and a better understanding kind of qualitatively of maybe what you'd call sort of some of the, the institutional legal market and social barriers to bringing things back into use. Uh, and I think that brings us part of the way having that conversation and, and seeing vacancy as more than just kind of sites that are either not in use or being redeveloped and that redevelopment itself is just assumed to be the solution to things rather you know thinking about as Kathleen saying what are the outcomes of that redevelopment you know how is that space being reused is it being reused in a way that is you know improving access to the city for for a diverse uh, groups of people um, or is it kind of you know increased kind of privatization or you know enclosure of the city for those kind of ways so I think having that sort of more nuanced conversation about like vacancy as part of urban processes and how it might feed into different kinds of ones and how, you know, we can think about it a bit more um, uh, holistically as part of sort of like urban development processes. And as we said, that, that might happen very differently in Dublin as it does in Cork or elsewhere. Um, that that's one step towards kind of maybe seeing kind of more socially just outcomes in cities. No, no, that, that wasn't specifically your question, I suppose. <laughs> the best answers are never new. They don't have to be linked to the actual question. <laughs> we're, um, not, we're not going to get too worried about that. Kathleen, did you yeah, go um, back to... Do you want me to... I think that was, yeah, that was really helpful. Um, I think you asked a little bit about the recommendations and, and where yeah. we're going with the research. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I, a lot of recommendations... This, this report, which is available on uh, the Planet Geog Trinity Geography blog and via the uh, Dublin Enquirer editorial, uh, there's a link on it. Uh, we came up with five provisional um, recommendations, which have kind of informed where we're gonna go with our research. And we'll have some new recommendations at the end as well of our project. But the five are really focused around the questions of kind of policy framing, measurement and identification in this instance. and probably most of what we've discussed already, I think mm -hmm. has touched on the recommendations, mm -hmm. but just to list them off quickly. 
the first one that we have suggested is that we need to reframe vacancy as an integral and nuanced rather than inherently problematic. And so we're really recommending that people try and adopt a more holistic perspective as vacancy and that this is something that should be promoted to all levels of government as well. Uh, our next recommendation is trying to work and find ways of establishing clearer and more granular definitions of vacancy. Instead of just saying that something is vacant, actually trying to have a typology or another range of definitions and categories that can be adaptive to what is happening on the ground uh, that can be responding to different contexts, but in a way also help to break down this flat idea of vacancy being one thing and simply brought back into use. Uh, the next recommendation that we have is looking at how do we start to integrate existing vacancy measures. And so when we were talking about all of the different data sets and measures, one thing that we did notice was there is some integration of different measures. Um, for instance, geodirectory and census data might get overlapped at times or compared, but there are a lot of different efforts and sources of information that might be slightly different or a bit harder to bring together. And we think because there is such an amount of effort and time and labor and capacity that has to go in to identifying this, finding ways of eliminating replicated efforts and increasing the range and the quality of information that is already being gathered is a really important first step before we start to identify and find new ways of measuring. So how can we bring this information that we already have together in more systematic um, and open ways so that people can have a better understanding of what vacancy currently exists and then we can work to improve the gaps in data as they are identified. Uh, the last, second to last recommendation is also building on that question of how do we identify and measure. Uh, we think there's potential to be looking at maybe more novel measurement approaches that aren't as labor intensive as having to get someone on the street every time to walk up and down and identify or thinking about what could be done and looking at some of the existing work that has already happened. We're aware that there's been some opportunities um, inspired by web scraping, such as with um, Inside Airbnb, which has been focusing on short-term lets. Could you be using uh, web scraping as a potential way to collect more information passively, at least to indicate possible vacancy, um, but also thinking about more community oriented or crowdsourced approaches that could be not necessarily extra work, but adding on to things that are already happening. So we would really encourage people thinking a bit more creatively about measurement approaches. Our final recommendation is there's a need for greater transparency over how urban vacancy is addressed. And so we think there's a great opportunity here at the national level, but also at the local level to be thinking about recognizing all of the work that has already gone in, being very clear about the different tools that are available and the responses that have gone out um, to see what kinds of actors and capabilities are needed to effectively respond. And by starting with a bit of an inventory of everything that is already happening, you can start to be a bit more proactive to think about what's working, what isn't, and what might be different things that could be more useful going forward. So we think an inventory could be a helpful way forward. Um, I don't know if there's anything you wanna add there, Keen, as mentioned, this is, this is really a set of recommendations that are responding to this first set of research, which is around the policy context and looking primarily at measurement and um, data. In our next phase of research, which we'll be publishing a subsequent policy report, we'll focus a bit more on kind of the challenges and the day-to-day -day experiences and the potential kind of dynamics that are a little bit harder to get on paper and are more coming from people's own experiences through interviews. To quickly yeah. maybe add to that, I suppose, um, like I think there's, you know, there's, there's ways in which you could kind of improve things in terms of data and measurement. And I know that like, you know, we're, you know, 
probably not necessarily the experts to speak to in this by any means. And there's there's a lot of government agencies and people involved in that, that are already looking at these kinds of things. Um, one thing that has been suggested, I suppose, is the, the move eventually towards a unique geographical identifier, which would allow you know, a single property then to be, be tracked over time and it would give you some of that perspective on, on the long term, the short term of it. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of short and medium term efforts, I, as, as Kathleen is suggesting, I mean, it's um, it's about thinking about kind of the the way up, I guess, between the, the level of labor and how intensive that might be evolved in terms of measuring and counting vacancy against maybe what are we seeking to do with those measurements? Mm-hmm. You know, so focusing a bit more targeted on what are types of vacancy maybe that, you know, it would be worth our while measuring or keeping track of, you know, and what would that allow us to do from a policy perspective? And I think the second thing then is, is kind of maybe going towards where we're trying to hope to contribute a bit in the second report and through that interview analysis is, is understanding a bit more some of those kind of qualitative dimensions about what are like the barriers to boat identification, but also the barriers particular to kind of to, to process of bringing things back into reuse. And I suppose, again, it goes back to that thing where vacant doesn't necessarily mean unusable. Like you touched on, you know, these large build to rent housing blocks that are left empty because they're not, you know, the, 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 if you lower the rent, you devalue your brand almost. Um, so you can have a vacant site register that will have, right, there's 70 apartments in that block empty and there's no there's no way of making the landlord rent if he doesn't want to. Hmm. So it, it, it's, it is complicated, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and with that, I mean, one of the things we've also been talking about, I guess, is that the, you're talking about a whole set of actors, you know, mm. and a different power differentials in terms of who are the owners of these sites. So usually when we think about sort of blunt instrument solutions, you know, whether that be tax or whatever, that also has to be kind of considered. And um in, in a lot of these kind of cases, I think it is the, the larger, you know, property owners and landowners, and particularly in Dublin, where there's been such a, a shift in terms of land and property ownership towards an international set of actors who have massive amounts of capital and have massive capacity then to, to kind of to be patient and to wait out and to take any hits you know, they may have to do in terms of, you know, charges or whatever, um, but also are, are quite maybe innovative in, in getting around or avoiding paying some of those charges. So it may be the case that sort of, you know, those stick, you know, um, um, or disincentives mm-hmm. are um, maybe disproportionately affect kind of the smaller scale players um, as, as opposed to the larger scale players. And that's also, I think, why we'd be kind of, you know, pushing or, you know, people to consider that the range of types of vacancy may require very different forms of policy and market intervention to, to deal with them and what fits one might not fit another at all. Um, I think just to reiterate, this is an ongoing project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been an incredible, I think, it's been really interesting to be looking at what's happening already. And I think some things have surprised us. We also as this is an Irish Research Council coalesce funded project, it is very clearly about having policy impact. So one of the things we've tried to do throughout this project is not just to be you know, liaising with or interviewing policymakers and government officials, but also to be sharing back the, these findings. And 
And we think this is actually, you start to see that a lot of, there is a lot of goodwill and a lot of desire to address this from all sides. And it's thinking about what are the challenges perhaps more institutionally and systemically that need to kind of come into play here. Um, so we're really excited with the kind of closing up the second phase of research with the interviews and analysis over the next few months. It won't be a quiet summer. And um, we'll have our second report out towards late summer, early autumn, and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to also do some sort of a public event so people can be part of this dialogue as well. We really want this to be something that sparks public discussion and that can help us get to somewhere where there's actually impact beyond just writing from this work. This is influencing policy. It's not uh, a vanity or just a merely academic project. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it, it's grounded in real life. It will have real life implications. And I know you've mentioned where to keep an eye on your work for anybody who might be interested in the public workshop at the end of the project, because I did want to make sure that's the one thing I have written here was to make sure to mention that um, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that myself. And fingers crossed, which we might have a chat again, maybe later on in the year at uh, when, when phase two is, is delivered so thank you very 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 much that was really enjoyable and best of luck i think with yeah with, with i suppose getting getting the report number two across the line thank you thanks thanks so much it was great talking to you yeah thank you for listening to this podcast i hope you found it useful if you have any ideas for future podcasts please feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie with your suggestions until next time stay safe